Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. For those of you that haven't been here during the teaching, a um, uh, little background on Ephesians. It was a crossroads of many nations as they came in the trade routes. And uh, it was one of the stronger churches. A lot of Paul's letters were correction letters. They were correction letters against uh, evil doctrines or things that weren't um, scriptural. But the letter to the Ephesians in the first three chapters, what he does is he explains to the church in Ephesus what God has done for us, for, for them at Ephesus. And then the next three chapters, four, five, and six, he tells us what we should do. How should we respond? We've been following this theme a little bit on Sunday mornings, too, about what should our response be. First, to why did Jesus come? Anybody remember anything about Sunday? Why did he come? Destroy the works of the devil. Amen. The cross. We pointed toward the cross and how we should respond to the cross. And then we looked at sin, the wages of sin, and how we should respond to sin. Chapter 4, Paul starts by saying he's a prisoner serving the Lord. How many of you remember the seven points of unity that we taught in that? There's seven points of unity in the first four verse, five verse, six verses of Ephesians 4. Good. You guys listened. That's good. With all the, the different doctrines that was coming through, remember now this was a, a, a crossroads of many nations. And Diana, the Greek god, uh, had a statue there and everything else. So Paul really had to come against um, false teaching. Not that it was in the church at the time, but just for the location of Ephesus. And uh, the gist of the seven things that's mentioned here in verse uh, 4 is that Paul wants the church to agree on things that are easily agreeable to, okay? Because the basic tenets of the faith point toward the oneness and the completeness of Jesus Christ, Amen. that he accomplished everything, and we must believe that. And in verse 4, it says there's one body, as you all said. we got to realize that there's the body of Christ in general, one body, okay? There's different administrations, different people look at things differently, but there's one body. There's one spirit. What is that spirit? It's the Holy Spirit. And you've been called to one glorious hope. What's our glorious hope? Anybody know? The return. His blessed appearing. We can all agree on that, right? How many of you uh, have ever got into a debate about pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, this trib, that trib, up in the air trib, over here trib, over there trib? That's a great teaching if you don't have anything else to do. It's a great thing to focus on. But whether it's pre, post, mid, in between, three and a half, two and three quarters, it doesn't matter. What we can all agree on is that we have a blessed hope, and that's his glorious appearing. And once he does appear... Once he does appear, the debate about when he came will be over with because we'll be with him. Amen. So it's good to know that or have an opinion about it, but we got to uh, agree on one glorious hope, and that's the return of the Lord. That's a glorious hope. The fourth thing is that there's one Lord. Yes. 
We live in a world that uh, says there's many ways to get there. There's not. There's only one. There's one faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one baptism, and there's one God the Father who is over all and lives through all. Amen? Amen. Okay, we got down. Well, uh, the last verse we looked at three weeks ago is verse 16. It says, he may, I'm living, uh, in the New Living. It says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. Everybody is not me. Everybody's not Dan. Everybody's not Harold. Each part of the body does its own special work, just like parts of our body are, are used for different things. It has a special purpose. If you ever looked at your hand and, and just looked at the wonder of your hand, I mean, the wonder, the Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And he looks at the church body people of one faith, one baptism, one glorious hope. That's how he wants us to fit together. Okay? And that's what he was trying to uh, tell the, the church at Ephesus. And then if you go back, he talked about preachers and, and evangelists and pastors and how they all serve a function in the kingdom. Not everybody's a pastor. Not everybody's an evangelist. But if we discern things and the calling that God has on our life, then He'll use us as parts of the body. Amen? Amen? All right. He makes each part do its own special work, and it helps the other parts grow. I've said this before. If you spend any time with somebody, it's hard to find somebody that you can't learn something from. True. How many of you are done learning in church? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody in here? With, nobody's done? Nobody's finished. My point is, is that you can learn something from everybody if you would just be patient with them and spend some time with them. You'll, you'll be surprised just what you can learn from people because it ties into Ephesians 4 here where it says he makes the whole body fit together. I, I know when different uh, people share in here, when Jeremy was sharing on things, I wrote down a couple of key things, key points that he made because it... it went into my spirit and I learned from that. And when Dan was teaching, he had a list of things. He, one of them was about his sin did not disqualify him from the kingdom. And I thought, man, that is so good. We're never disqualified. We can learn from other people. Yes, sir. Uh, some people can teach you patience. True. And you might want to wring their neck, but if you're patient, you'll see the benefits of hanging in there. So you can learn from other people and that's how we grow. Musicians, if you play an instrument, there's always somebody that you're better than and there's always somebody that's way better than you. But you can learn from that person, okay? He, this is what God wants for the church. He, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now you might say, well, why did he have to tell this to the church? Because the same problems that they were having then about conducting themselves, we're still having today. Same sins, same problems. And, I, and we'll show you what we mean by that. The devil will always use our human nature against us. Amen. I'm telling you. The church has been in existence for 2,000 years, but the devil knows how to use who we are against us. He does it through so many different... His tactics never change. He snares people the same way. 
And we're going to read about the things that he does here and why it was so important that Paul convey this to the church at Ephesus. Verse 17 says, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. And when I was looking at this, I thought this is the condition of the world that we live in right now. They still have the people that don't know the Lord or just have turned their back. They still are just as confused as the, they were the day that the Tower of Babel was, was erected and God scattered them abroad and confounded all the land. People are still confused today. It's the same tactics everywhere you go. He says, don't do that because they're hopelessly confused. Verse 18, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds. We can never learn enough of, you know what? I don't think you can have too many Bibles either. I know some people are King James only. I like them all. I've read the message. I've read uh, and New Living. I've read the New American Standard. Every Bible that I can, I've, what's the living word? How many more is there? All these study Bibles by people that are a lot smarter than I am. And what's the one you got? The Thompson? Dakes? He's got a Schofield. There's a Schofield man there. What's, a, what's another version of the Bible? Somebody. Dakes. Oh, Dakes. Okay. Yeah. How about the Thompson chain reference? Yeah. She's got a whole list. She's got 50 on her phone. Guess what? You can learn from the Word of God. And the Word of God will come. It says their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds. That's why I ask if you guys were done learning. We can never close our minds to the things of God. That's why we need to get our thoughts into captivity because if we get closed-minded toward God, it's like when Pharaoh hardened his heart. And Moses went back and kept on appealing to him, but his heart was hardened. In other words, he closed his mind to what God wanted. And it says, and they hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. I got to thinking, uh, if you watch television for any length of time, it's amazing how people, so-called celebrities, are changing partners like every other week. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just so corrupt. And the, the, the minds are so, they have no sense of shame. That's what Romans chapter 1 speaks of, about, you know, our sin, should, we should be ashamed of our sin. Not condemned, but we should feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's why he's writing this to the church. The heading of verse uh, 17 is, we need to live as children of light. Okay? Uh, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20, but this is not what you've learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. What did he say about himself? I'm the way, truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me except through, or cometh unto the Father except through me. He is the truth. Pilate asked him, he said, well, what is truth? What is truth? Everything that comes through. 
Man must live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Who was Jesus? Was he a prophet or was he God? Where a lot of religions get tripped up is they think he's a prophet. He's in their hall of prophets. Although he was a prophet, although he was an evangelist, although he was a pastor to his flock, although he was a teacher, that was not his main calling. His main calling was he came into this world that man through him might have everlasting life. Because he came not into the world to condemn the world. And he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Wow. That's why he came. It says, since you've heard, uh, verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. I really pray for our nation right now because I think we're living in a time of great deception all around. Amen. And in the world, there's a lot of deception. I mean, who do you believe anymore? Where do you go for a system of beliefs? You go to the Word of God. And then that's why it's so important to realize that the people at Ephesus went through the same things we're going through. They lived in a very confused society. And we're in a day of confusion right now. Well, if we're in the same boat that they were, what has sustained them? The Word of God has sustained them through all this stuff. Okay? Throw away your old sin for nature. Verse 23 said, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. When we get born again, it's like getting a new suit of clothes. How many of you, before you got saved, ever heard of a garment of praise? What? Garment of praise? What's that crazy talk? We sure knew about a spirit of heaviness, didn't we? But then once you get saved, born again, and you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you, then you, well, you sing a song like, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So that's what he's done for us. And it says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Sometimes when I read the Psalms and David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Has anybody ever prayed that prayer? Why do we need to pray it? Because the enemy's always on the attack and he always uses our human nature to trip us up. You know, the people of Ephesus could have been changed with the people here tonight and you'd be confronting the same problem because that's how the devil works. He works against our nature. He knows that we're weak. Jesus knew that the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. So he tells the church at Ephesus to renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Verse 24, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I get when I read chapter four, I thought I thought these guys were more mature than what Paul gives them credit for. They were a stable church, but somebody, when they first came to a knowledge, somebody had to teach them how to behave. Think about what he's saying here. In verse 25, he says, stop telling lies. Well, that's basic Christianity there, isn't it? But obviously it wasn't too basic because we still do it. And the devil uses that against us. That 
He says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. What's the truth? Jesus Christ is the truth. <coughs> For we are, all, we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Oops. Anybody ever get angry in here? Well, there's two of us, me and Barry. <laughs> Harold? Oh, I've never seen Harold angry. Ron, you don't get angry, do you? Yeah. Who else, Jeff? Oh, man. My hand's been up the entire time. Oh, you, you just raise your hand. Rick, this is chapter four. Everything in chapter four, Rick is. Okay? No, it says, stop telling lies and don't sin by letting anger control you. All right. There's a difference between being angry and letting it control you. Yeah. I got I got to make an admission that sometimes I get upset. It all depends on our personality. Sometimes type A personalities yeah. want to be in charge. There's different personalities we have and different things that anger us. Now, but even that he had to tell the Ephesian church about it. He said, and here's the remedy. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So the anger is not the sin, the letting the sun go down. Then your heart gets hardened. Then you got to get your thought process back. And then you got to forgive before you can do any of that. Forgiveness is the hardest thing to do that we have to deal with. It's forgiveness. Because we're always going to be offended. We're always going to get angry about things. But we have to learn how to forgive. Amen? Amen. All right. Don't let the don't sin by letting anger control you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Uh-oh. Foothold to the devil. Strongholds. What do we pray in 2 Corinthians chapter 10? Bringing into captivity your thoughts. Yes. Because the devil uses the same tactics, our human nature, to build strongholds in our life. Anybody know what a stronghold is? It's like a fortress that he cordons off a part of our life that we just won't give over to God, and he keeps a hold on that area right there. Addiction. What's that? Addiction. Yeah. And there, there are parts of all of us that we don't like to give away. We don't, you know, God can point, put the finger on it by the Holy Spirit. But we all have areas where we just say, well, I don't, I don't know. But that's when we got to get our thoughts into captivity and bring everything into obedience. The Bible says that we can pull down strongholds. Okay, what's a big stronghold? Anger will give a foothold to the devil. So if you're an angry person, Thomas Jefferson said this once. He said, if you're angry, count to 10. If you're really angry, count to 100. There we go. That's, Tom, that's Thomas checking in, Thomas Jefferson. One of my favorite presidents. Yes, Laura. I was just wondering about forgiving and forgiving. Yeah. Are they something that goes hand in hand? We don't hear forgiving too much. Because humans don't forgive. Human nature won't forgive. Well, yes, and forgiving. For hit? Like, like you heard a lot of people say, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget it. Is it harder to not forget it to make it harder to forget it? Well, again, yeah, it makes sense. Again, forgiveness is an act of God. 
which he showed us how to do by saying on the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's an act of God. <laughs> Forgetting is a whole different level because human nature, which the devil always uses, is against forgetting. You might, you might uh, forgive someone, but it's real hard to forget something. Yes, brother? The secret to forgetting as well as forgiving is replace the thing with something else. Okay. Remember, replace it with something better. Okay. Then you can forget. Right. Repli that's a good word. Replace it with something better. It's hard to forget when people do that. But the first step is forgiveness of that person, and then it makes it easier to forget. That's the biggest stumbling block to Christians is they don't believe that God has forgotten their sin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, can, you can have forgiveness, really, truly have forgiveness, and still have remembrance of you can remember, the situation. Yeah. If you're a human being, you still got a mind and remembrance. And it's that, but that's a, that's, it's totally different than forgiveness. You can forgive an incident. And then something will come up and you'll remember it. But that does, you shouldn't be convicted if you really had forgiveness just because you remember it. Because just remember it just means you're a human being. Human nature again. Yeah. And see, everything that's good about human nature, the devil can turn into bad. Yeah. And that's what he does. Because he'll tell you that person's going to get you again, Harold. You better watch him. Don't you trust him. Don't you this, do that. And then... Um, that's not real forgiveness because uh -uh. God, we preach a gospel of reconciliation. See, reconciliation means you get rid of all that stuff. Yeah. That's why it's so important. He was telling the Ephesians church, I don't care what the world does around you. This is what you need to do. Go ahead, Rickster. You know, I've, I've had to forgive many people <laughs> in my day. People who didn't ask for it and people who asked. I, uh, the people who asked for it, who asked for me to forgive them, I remember it no more. It's as, it's as if it's gone. Oh, really? Yeah. And the reason is, is because my perspective is, is I have to go before him uh -huh. and have him not remember mine. Exactly. So I don't want mine remembered, so why am I going to remember somebody else's? You know, I've, we got family, friends, other people that we've had, to, when they say, man, forgive me. Forgive what? It's already gone. I have to be that way in order for Christ to be that way with me. He was perfectly clear in his word. Mm -hmm. Lord's Forgive, prayer. And you will be forgiven. Yeah. So yeah. when somebody asks me to be forgiven, if I'm struggling with it, then I, I need to check myself. Because for me, it's just as easy to just say, forgive what? <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? It's I'm already positioned to forgive. Because you know it's required of you. Because it's required and because if I hold somebody's sin against them, mine's going to be held against me. So it doesn't matter what they do. Yeah. I have to forgive because yeah. I'm forgiven. Well, the Bible... Yeah, the, the Word says if you bring your gift to the altar and, and the Holy Spirit puts on you somebody that you... Then you better take care of it. Leave your gift at the First altar. Be reconciled with your brother. Then come offer your gift. Yes. Mary. Yes. I was thinking of what, what Jesus said. You know, he said, you know, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. And I think it was Stephen that said, yeah. don't hold this sin against them. Uh -huh. and I think when, when we forgive, we need to get to a point where we can say that to whoever 
in our minds to whoever are offended us. Release them to the point of praying for them and say, God, don't hold that sin against them. We're not saying that I wasn't done wrong, I wasn't hurt, maybe I was done wrong, maybe I have a legitimate complaint, but God, don't hold this sin against them. They did me wrong, don't hold this sin against them. So when you get to the point where you can pray for somebody else and release them like that, that, that releases you. Yeah. So we have to release other people we don't necessarily have to reconcile with them. Forget. So I don't, I don't know what degree you have to forget. 70 times 7? Yeah. yeah. I mean, forgetting is reconciling. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, if you're when it comes up, he shouldn't hang that, that's, the key, that's just what I was going to say. The key to unforgiveness and always remembering things that you should let go, if, if you're not careful, that's what turns into anger. You know, anger, that's when it starts, when you just refuse to forgive and forget both. Yes? The power through the Holy Spirit to forgive should be considered a privilege, really, because it frees us from the pain of the memory and the effects. It also frees the person who forgives, so it frees two people. Mm -hmm. So it really is a deep privilege, really, when you look at it realistically. Okay. Linda, Linda's next. Um, I think it's important to note that when Jesus was asked, how can we pray, and he does the Lord's Prayer, the only real thing that he repeated after the prayer was about forgiveness. Because mm -hmm. yeah. he goes um, in verse 14, he says again, and forgive mm -hmm. if you want to be yeah. forgiven. And it, well, you got the you got the king who forgave his servant. Yeah, the talents. For the talents, that's a prime example of what that looks like. It just being you know where he was forgiven, and then he went and beat his servant to get his money, and the king caught word of it, and then brought him brought judgment upon him. Uh, yeah, I, I like what was said about being a prisoner of that person. And Paul started chapter four by saying he was a prisoner of the Lord. The Lord had him more or less incarcerated in, in his will. And so if we want to be like him, we can't be prisoner to somebody else's opinion of us. Amen. Again, human nature, we're always worried about what people think about us. Anybody like that in here? You don't have to raise your hand. But somebody just got an elbow there. I don't know what's wrong. With it. It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness? It comes with an elbow? A sharpened Forgive elbow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One little point. Just one little point. I had read a long time ago and I didn't quite understand, but it was catchy to me in my arrogance of unforgiveness, which goes back, which is better, not better, since I've been here. A lot, lot better. Uh, where it's said in Corinthians, I don't know if it was around about the fifth chapter of either the first or second, where it said, for whom you forgive much, I also forgive. So in forgiving, I don't know if I'm right or not, but in forgiving them, God, we also, it helps God forgive them for what they did that was wrong, and he knows it was wrong, but because we forgave, he also forgives much. Am, am yes, he does. And Am I saying that correctly? No, well, here's the deal. Oh. Um, we're not saying... If somebody offends you, forgive them, yeah. and you try to forget it. Yeah. 
But somebody said the other day, you can love somebody from a distance. And that's not, you know, which is sometimes what we have to practice, okay? We, we ask, we, we get forgiven. What's that? We have to guard our hearts. Yeah. So, it's hard to forget. The devil uses human nature against us. But that's why Paul's trying to teach the Ephesian church is that you can't let the sun go down on your wrath or on your anger because that gives the devil the foothold that he wants in our life. Not only does he keep on throwing up that thing that happened, then you respond to him when you shouldn't be responding to him and your thoughts get all messed up and everything else. And we've all been guilty of judging a situation, coming up short, being angry. I have, everybody has. The Ephesian church, why would he mention anger if the people in the Ephesian church didn't have a problem with getting mad with one another? Church is always the same. Sometimes the problems that we undergo in churches are more concentrated in the church than they are what the world does to us. That's why it's so important that Paul was telling the Ephesians, look, this is what we need to do. This is what separates us from the Gentiles. It wasn't because they were killing them all or anything. At that point, they weren't doing that. They were introducing false doctrine. But he was trying to teach them that the better way was the love that Christ showed. And that's how he wanted uh, the people in the church to respond. Now, do we always do that? No. But you'll find if you go back and read the letters of Paul, he's usually responding to something that's going on, which is the same stuff that we all do today. And that's what I mean about the devil will use our human nature against us. Where God wants to use our human nature for us. He wants good results because he's changed us. That's why it says put on the new man. Put on the new nature created to be like God. What's the new nature? When you're baptized and when you're born again, all things have become new. Everything old has passed away. Okay? So, obviously, there were still some people. Verse 27 for, uh, says, For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Okay? This could be, very well be written to the church in general today. Verse 28 says, If you are a thief, quit stealing. Wow. But the hands right. that steal, steal reward. All right. I guess they had some thieves in the church. Or he wouldn't have had to mention it. Look what else it says. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. Human nature does not change. If a person is lazy, they're going to be lazy, whether it's 2,000 years ago or today. And he's trying to tell them now, don't use your hands to steal. Don't take what doesn't belong to you, but use your hands to work. We've got a real problem with that in our country today. And we can get into the politics of it, but... I don't want to do that tonight, but God honors work. Amen. He sure honored Noah's work, didn't he? He honors work. Matter of fact, one of the letters to Timothy, they were having a problem with people in the church that didn't want to work. And what did he tell them? You don't work, you don't eat. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? But obviously, the, the early churches, one that Timothy was associated with, had a problem with that because there was a lot of people coming to the Lord, but somebody had to teach them. 
you know, that it still takes hard work. You still have to, you know, staying in the ark. You got to, you got to pray. You got to seek God's face. It takes work. Okay, let's read on. Uh, and then give generously to others in need. I think we try to do that here, but um, obviously they had a problem with it there. Don't use foul or abusive language. That seems to be a given, but let everything you say be good and helpful. Whoops. Anybody broken any of these lately? <laughs> Quit looking around. Everybody's looking around. Again, it's human nature. And look what he says. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You ever been around people that just kind of suck all the air out of the room the minute they walk in the room and you just don't want it? <laughs> Here they come. Now, that's not saying they offended you and you didn't forgive them, but, you know, let your words be an encouragement. I never fail to, uh, Barry knows this and, and Jeremy and Catherine, I never fail to thank the people that help us put the service together. I always thank Barry, I always thank Jason, I always thank which one or ever of the more girls are back there doing the overheads. That's an important part yes. of, of the word going out. And it's a necessary thing. And I appreciate that. So you encourage them in what they're doing. Okay? That's, that's just something we need to do more of in churches too is encourage one another. I appreciate the people working the pantry every week for 13 years. You guys have been back there, some of you, working in that pantry on Wednesday night. Every week. That's an amazing thing. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. It's a great thing. Read on. Uh, verse 30. And don't bring sorrow or grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He, he has identified you as His own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Now, we're not going to do the predestination thing, but He guarantees that we're sealed by the Spirit to the day of redemption. Do we have a hand to play in that, or is it just a foregone conclusion? I think we have a hand to play in that. I think if I do these things and hold as fast as I can to them, I'm sealed to the day of redemption. Amen. Now, people will debate you about, ah, well, there's nothing. You can't sin big enough not to be forgiven. Well, I can think of a whole lot of people in history that were, were pretty rotten people, and I don't know if they ever repented because the first step towards salvation is repentance. Because when, when they asked Peter and Paul, what, what should we do? They said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Why is repentance? You know, uh, people say, well, this and that. If you don't repent of your sins and ask Jesus Christ in your heart and be your Lord and Savior, I have a question of whether you were sealed of anything. Pastor yes. You know, this, this whole chapter to me is like in the beginning. It says, you know, to walk worthy of the vocation where, where you are called. And then the problem in, I see in the body of Christ is for anybody is that they... they they give it, they repent and give their heart to the Lord, but then they don't get in the Word. This is instructing us mm -hmm. how we're to, to behave. 
as born again Christians, and and what it talks about us all being in one, you know, members of one body, and so it's kind of like we're family. Mm-hmm. You know, you love one another. You get angry, but you don't. It doesn't stay. You forgive, mm-hmm. and you love them, and it's it's like the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to really forgive. And then when the forgetfulness part to me is that when you've forgiven, you can just kind of give that over to the Lord. And he, it's like it happened to you, but there's no pain associated with it anymore. You can remember it, but it's not called up to remember to cause anger. Okay, if, yeah. If we're, you know, seeking the Holy Spirit and seeking to do what he teaches us in the Word to do. And it's so awesome because... If you just stop and think when you study this, you know, when things come up, our emotions normally, because it's normal, we're mm-hmm. going to sense these emotions of anger and hurt and, you know, just disappointment and offense. But the Holy Spirit will, we can, you know, turn that over and the Holy Spirit will just help us to deal with that in yeah. life because that's what makes us connected to each other, mm-hmm. that real love of Christ that will You don't know what to do. That's why Paul's trying to teach them here because they didn't know what to do. And they didn't know that you weren't supposed to steal anymore. Right. So you're just going to act out those things, which is not what the Lord wants us to do. Right. So. Yes. Pastor Lonnie, the word metanoia is a Greek word there for repentance, and it means a total changing in the total way you think. Turn around. Yeah. It's a complete Total makeup of your mind. Okay. All right. And that helps us, like she said, to bring our thoughts into captivity and we can respond in the right way. Although it's very hard to do, but that's what Christ expects out of his. Exactly. Well, that's why it says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because our anger and holding our anger can turn into uh, a stronghold, and that definitely grieves the Holy Spirit. So if somebody comes to you and they say, would you forgive me? Or if you have to go to them, one of the worst things that you can do is say, no, I don't forgive you. Because you're really bringing it on yourself then. Mm-hmm. Brother Paulson, in, in uh, one of his lectures that I went to, he said this woman come to the altar and, and uh, she was all bent over and bowed and just looked like, Bleh about ready to, and she wanted him to pray for her. And uh, he discerned that uh, she was angry with someone. And he said that to her. And he said, who are you angry with? And she said, my husband. (laughs) She said, I'll never, I'll never forgive him. And then he said, I can't pray with you because you have to forgive him or else you're gonna be bowed and broken the rest of your life. No matter what happens, people get divorced. I know things happen in people's lives. And, but we have to forgive at some point to be freed up from that responsibility. It's almost like the devil puts a responsibility to hate on us. You know, we, I read a, a, one book I was reading one time. This girl had a problem and, and she said, well, who won't hate him if I don't? And I thought, well, are we recruiting people to hate or what? Like it was her responsibility to hate somebody. How would you like to live in those conditions? Okay, Jeff, for a week, you got, you're the hater this week. You hate everything. Everybody. Yes. Yeah. 
according to Jesus prayer of the Our Father, I don't I don't see how uh, a person can receive forgiveness from God if they don't re forgive others. I mean that's what the that's what Jesus said. Uh -huh. he said I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you when you forgive others. I don't see how a, a person can have real complete forgiveness with God after holding unforgiveness against somebody else. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it's an option. I believe it's no. There's no option. option to it. No. How can you pray the Lord's prayer? And if it wasn't possible, the Lord wouldn't have put the words in that that strong of a condition. If yeah. it's not possible with the power of God, it's it's it's. I believe that with the power of God, all forgiveness is possible. I don't care if somebody killed your wife right in front of your whole family or whatever. I mean, you know, I I, I see. Stories in the uh, in the voice of the martyrs. I'm a very uh, great fan of voice of the martyrs. How people have been tortured and their family killed right in front of them and everything else, and they forgive those people and they go back and try to introduce the killers to Christ because of His love for them. That's that's what real forgiveness uh -huh. is. Yeah, and it helps that person on the road to getting rid of their guilt and stuff like that. They're still going to have to pay for the sin, but the greatest prison sometimes is the prison of the mind. Mm -hmm. What goes on in your head while you're trying to get clean from all. You know, when you ask somebody to forgive you or when they come to you, there's such a cleansing that takes place. The person that, that offers the apology and the person that receives the apology because it just breaks everything completely down. And if you refuse that, then it just compounds the whole thing. But the breakdown is just like a dam busting. You know, we, uh, the, anybody ever been to the Hoover Dam out there? I know. Magnificent, isn't it? But somebody had to stop up something in there. It's Colorado River is what's on, isn't it? I, yeah. That big dam, and it's holding back all that water. You know, and you can almost look at that when somebody repents and you and there's mutual forgiveness, then it's like, boom, that whole thing opens up, you know? And it's just, it, it washes, Amen. it cleanses everybody. Amen. Amen. Let's finish this chapter. Verse 31, there's going to be a list of things we need to get rid of, because Paul says, get rid of all bitterness. How many of you know what a root of bitterness is? Where's the root of bitterness take hold? From unforgiveness. Do you know, and remember now, he's talking to the church again and individuals. What's it say in Hebrews about a root of bitterness? It says, be careful that a root of bitterness does not spring up among you because many will be defiled by, if, if say, we have a, you got somebody you're really into it with, and then that, that leads to gossip and it leads to slander and everything else. And it, a root of bitterness will take hold and it'll affect everybody. Yeah. You ever seen it take hold in a family? A root of bitterness yeah. among siblings or something like, my dad always liked you better than he liked me and blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah. That root of bitterness. And he said it defiles people. Yeah. It will defile people. Okay. So bitterness, get rid of rage. We could go through this and Lift up our hands, but we're not going to do it. Paul says, get rid of bitterness, get rid of rage, get rid of anger and harsh words. 
And slander. Clamor. Slander? Clamor. I'm sorry, Clamor. Kenny. Clamor. 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 Uh, which word is that? Because I'm in the New Living. Is it uh, harsh words? or? Uh, comes after anger. After anger. Okay, that's harsh words. Harsh words. Loud Making a lot of noise about somebody. Clamor. Creating a... Yeah. A great outcry, yeah. an exclamation made by a loud human voice, repeatedly. Wow. And that'll defile a whole lot of people, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. Bitterness, rage, harsh words, and slander, as well of all as as well as all types of evil behavior. Paul's telling them to get rid of that. Instead, be kind to one another and tender hearted. Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Amen. So that's chapter four. Any questions? Any comments on it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm thinking, all, looking through all these uh, bad conditions that Paul's uh, preaching to the Ephesians, and I thought, man, were these people really born again or not? We do that, but Harold, it's in the church today. Did you see? <laughs> It's, it's again, that human nature that the devil can use against us. Right. If I walk over there and punch you in the nose right now, how I'll you... forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> can we have an illustrated sermon here? Who's ready? No. No. No, think about it a minute. What would your reaction be? Shocked. Shocked? <laughs> it wouldn't be good, though, would it? <laughs> Disappointed. Disappointed, okay. You might even get angry. How about if I punch you in the nose and ask you immediately to forgive me? Does, does that hurt any less? <laughs> oh, that's even better. Well, we don't want to go there. I'd probably get whipped is what I'd probably... <laughs> when we was reading this chapter, I was thinking about Darlene because it's hard to get my wife, and I shouldn't, how do I phrase this without me looking bad? Uh, <laughs> it's hard to get my wife to say something bad about somebody. Yeah. It really is. And when we was reading these things tonight, I was thinking about her because my boys, they always get on her. They call her Miss Positive Pants. Don't tell her I told her. No, it's over. It's over. It's they call her Miss Positive Pants. It's all because, on podcast. Yeah, po no, take that off. <laughs> Who's the producer of this show? I want that stricken from the record, Jeremy. Stricken. I object. No, she, it's hard to get her to say anything about anybody. That's just her nature. And, and it comes, Jeannie, is Jeannie the same way? Yeah. And we know Catherine is, and all you women are just. <laughs> but this is how God wants us to behave, and we would uh, take care of a lot of problems if we responded in this way. Yeah. And the thing about anger is the main thing, because that'll turn into a root of bitterness and it'll defile many. How many of you have ever argued with your husband or your wife? What? No. Put your head down. You're, You're about to have an argument right now. I'd like to have an argument, please. Double? 
<laughs> what works best? Forgiveness. Sorry. Yes, dear. I'm sorry. Men will usually repent if there's a meal involved. <laughs> That's usually when everything calms down. That's usually when everything calms down. Get the hangries out of the way. Bible don't say nothing about hangries. What's that? It said the Bible don't say much about hangries. Hangry? No, hangries. Hangry, I know what you're saying. Hangry. Okay. All right, so now we've learned through chapter four how to respond to one another. And um, we'll all be a lot better off if we can keep these things under control. Amen.